Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money-Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to my show, Money-Making Conversations Masterclass. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions for success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to develop a plan to reach their dreams. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. You can only exceed expectations by believing in yourself. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, leave with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest is April Ryan. She's a White House correspondent, CNN political analyst, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Grio, author and speaker. In her book, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem, author April Ryan celebrates Black women's resilience and strength, championing those who have transformed their pain into progress, despite economic, political, and social challenges. The book celebrates America's founding Black women, our mothers, as sheroes, as well as today's Black women leaders like voting rights activist Stacey Abrams, former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, Pulitzer Prize winner Nicole Hanna, Nicole Hanna Jones, and Vice President Kamala Harris, to name just a few. April Ryan also pays tribute to mothers, nurses, teachers, activists, and community leaders, noting that all Black women make the extraordinary Ordinary. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, April Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be with you. Thank you. Well, you know, you are a face. I'm very familiar with April. Uh, but first, before I even get into that, you know, uh, I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, you are an HBCU graduate, Morgan State. Rashawn, yes, Morgan State. And <laughs> a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Kevin Frazier, went to Morgan State too, didn't he? Morgan State, you think Kevin? Yeah, good. Frazier, Isles, Mesa Leak, Kwaisin Fume, Wilson Good. Come on, girl. Denise- um, Earl Gray. Earl there you Gray. go. That's yeah. my man. That's my man. You know, because when when the um, the, the George Floyd incident happened. She called it incident, a murder. Or it should be a called a, a social upheaval in this country and in the world. You know, HBCUs were basically push to the forefront, and then there's a lot of uh, corporate and um, private donations made to HBCUs. And even this year, well, we, it was over $2 billion contributions to HBCUs. With that being said, and I always preach black excellence when I talk about HBCUs, we start noting the amount of academic success that really has funneled a lot of those schools into the uh, everyday culture we call America. What is your reaction to going to an HBCU? Because your mother taught an HBCU you and how it's impacted its impact on the world today. Well, my mother was director of student activities. She didn't teach, but okay. she enabled a lot of those students mm-hmm. um, 
still here today. But no, I'm an HBCU baby. I grew up on an, on an HBCU campus, Morgan State University. Um, growing up on a campus, you're exposed to a lot of excellence. You're exposed to open mind and 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 uh, open open mindism, if you would say. Um, I experienced a lot of exploratory pursuits about life before I even knew (laughs) what life would be, right, you know? Mm -hmm. And that allows you to be able to have that, uh, you know, that ability, the the resiliency that you talk about in your book as a black woman, but also the resiliency, the handle situation, that uncomfortable situation and when you're just trying to do your job, like you've been doing, as we've seen play out at the White House, play out with the personal, I felt, attacks by then-President Donald Trump. How did you handle that? And who were the people, the, the support system around you that allow you to continue to give you strength to do your job on a daily basis? Black women were my support. Black women who um, would see me on the street and be like, sis, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. Or um, you know, people like, yeah, they, some black women would say, I put my hand out praying, you know, when you came on. So, so God would guide the conversation, you know, I mean, black women really rallied around me and I heard so many come crying, you know, I saw the microaggressions on the job and it reminded me of me. And I'm like, you just really don't realize what other people are going through. Right. And the common thread. Um, you know, I had so many people support me and I don't want to just call out names, but there were so many people that supported me. But I want to think, I think mostly about black women, particularly as that president vilified many black women during his time in office throughout mm-hmm. his years. You know, the, the interesting thing about it is that, you know, when you, you, you became a face, you became a a brand, you know, became an individual. You were forced into the public side. And I'm not saying that's what you wanted to accomplish in your career, because I don't know your career aspirations. But when you were being challenged consistently like that, well, how how did that impact your personal life? I know people came up on the streets, because like I said, you, you were constantly, I felt, under attack. So, and you said black women gave you support, but internally, how, what, what was the resiliency that, that gave you the drive to say, I'm right. I'm going to stand for what I believe in. This is what I went to college for. This is my, this is my dream. This is my career. And nobody's going to back me down. All that you said, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I stand on the shoulders of my family, my Mm -hmm. ancestors, my late mother and father. Mm -hmm. I stand of HBCUs, the black community, Baltimore city. I did nothing wrong. I asked him questions. He didn't want to answer questions about a black community that about the black community that he could have cared less about. Right. Um, that's just my fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, um, how was I attacked? I was attacked in every way. I had the FBI come to my home. I have had bomb squads come to my home. I've, wow. you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a movie, but it was my life. Right. And, it was a price to pay, but why would I run? And maybe it was fight or flight. I don't know, but I didn't fly or run away. Maybe it was fight, but I did nothing wrong. Too many people worked too hard for me to get in that space for me to go somewhere because of someone else. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I was speaking to April Ryan. Uh, she's White House correspondent, CN Pillar Analyst. We're talking about her book, uh, Black Women Will Save the World, an anthem. Also about her personal life and some of the journeys that she's had to endure being an HBCU graduate, working at the White House, uh, especially covering it during the Trump administration. Now let's get to the book, Black Women Will Save the World, because it's really a, a history book. It talks about, you know, Civil War times and spies. We know that a lot of people may not know that Harriet Tubman was really a spy, you know, when she when she uh, uh, sought freedom. But you talk, you, you touch on a lot of different areas just to let us know how women have slid in their level of commitment and that you may or may not be aware of. What was the journey of the book and the purpose? Well, this book has been years in the making. Um, I presented it to HarperCollins many years ago, and they knew 
that I wanted to write this. And it just wasn't the time. And then when Kamala Harris was the vice president of the United States, they said, wait a minute. So, you know, and they saw other black women in prominent positions. They said, okay, let's do this. And then the stars lined up with Katanji Brown Jackson being um, nominated to the United States Supreme Court. I don't know, maybe I was ahead of my time, but this was the right time and it all came together. It wasn't, we weren't plotting out or planning, but this is something I wanted to write for a long time. Right. And it happened at this moment, the right moment. You could not craft the best moment. Like this is the, you could never think about crafting the moment. We got the moment. Right. Just by having. And, you know, and now as we go to the polls, as black women are going to the polls to make decisions for their homes, we are, uh, 52% of the black population. We are a large voting block for the Democratic Party. We are we are decider in elections. We have changed red states blue. Stacey Abrams and that, and then black women with Roy Moore and Doug Jones voting for Doug Jones in Alabama a few years back. We have power that they don't want to let us know we have. Mm-hmm. Mark the moment and say who we are. It's important. You know, when you look at the, because that's, that's, you know, we always talk about the, the role of the black women. I have about six sisters, so I know the role of the black woman. <laughs> and uh, I grew up, or five are <laughs> older than me. And so they reminded me of my position in the family many times with loving, loving smiles. Um, but, but, but the vote, the vote of the black person, the black, especially the vote of the black woman. Right now, these elections are going to turn on the vote of the black woman or the black populace. But in the end, you know, you have Democrats, you have Republicans. You have, it is so extreme now. What do you see the state of politics from your perspective? Because you write in there, you've seen the shift, the dynamics of when President Obama came into the office and they was heckling him during the state of his State of the Union address. You've seen this, this kind of like verbal and social abuse that called, that's being called out on a daily basis on social media. So where are we at as a black person in America, a black woman in America? Or, or is our vote being taken for granted? Is the, is the power of the woman to shift a narrative as to who can be elected in a state or in the White House being taken for granted, April? Yes, most definitely. And I say that unapologetically and very straightforward. Um, it is because if it weren't, we would have a lot more push. It takes black women to go into the United Senate office building to march about voting rights and then get arrested, right? Right. Martin Luther King III got arrested in front of the White House on voting rights. Black people and the vote have been taken for granted for centuries. And the only way from the unique perch that I sit in the only way we see action is when the squeaky wheel gets oiled and the wheel has got to squeak persistently and consistently. And when I say black people and the voters taken for granted, let's just look at this. This is not myth. This is not conjecture. It's fact. The black community still has the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category. Right. The water is not safe to drink in Jackson. It's not just in Jackson. Flint has never had its problem fixed, okay? Our housing costs, we have 1.5 million units short to have affordable housing in this nation the way the government wants it to look. We're preyed upon financially. I mean, and so on and so on. Our healthcare, do we have it the way it should be? No. I mean, our education, I mean, the list goes on and on. Imprisonment, police brutality. It just hits every climate change. We are impacted. Asthma. Can you say Katrina? We live right in those dangerous spaces where we can lose our home. The list goes on and on. And if we were not taken for granted, these ills would not be so pervasive and so ever present as they are today. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. 
Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You know, you know, and in reading your book, I because you could have chosen a lot of different women to to uh, to um, discuss in your book. Black women will save the world, an anthem. And she's mentioned in the movements and in the rear of the book. I'm talking about um, former First Lady Michelle Obama. I thought in the process of just reading your book and looking at, you know, what's happening with Supreme Court Justice Brown and the Vice President Harris, that I felt that she was just as instrumental in her role, how she played out, I felt enabled them to be considered by the country, be as a, as a candidate for vice president, to be considered by the, the country as a, to play the role as a Supreme Court justice. When you were selecting the various imagery or stories that you were putting in this book, what did you see her? And I know, like I told everybody, she's mentioned in the movement section of the book, but what did you see her as we talk about it, uh, our impact as a black woman in this movement? Michelle Obama? Yes, ma'am. Oh, Michelle Obama, most definitely. I mean, people, there are people who still want her to run for office, and she's like, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> um, you know, um, she is very impactful. Her numbers are just as high. Her poll numbers, her pool rating to this day is still just as high as the former president. They're called forever for a reason because people connect to her because she came from the South side of Chicago, like, um, Ketanji Brown Jackson, you know, she was told she couldn't, you know, or, or she felt she couldn't, but for Ketanji, there was a janitor that said, you can keep going, please keep going. Don't you be so upset when she was at Harvard. But Michelle, Michelle, for Michelle Obama, for Michelle Obama, there were people who told her she couldn't, and she chose to, in spite of, and I hate to say this, you know, it's a rag to riches story, but in a whole different way. Average American living in the south side of Chicago going to the, who look like me. Right. Who, ancestor of a slave. Slaves built the White House, as she so eloquently likes to remind people. But she rose to the highest of heights. If it weren't for Michelle Obama, the chick from the south side. Barack Obama would not be president of the United States. If it weren't for Michelle Obama and her connection to Valerie Jarrett, Barack Obama would not be the president of the United States. Two black women helped move Barack Obama to become the most, one of the most successful presidents in our modern history. Two black women. Right. And the sad piece about it is for Michelle Obama, she's still invisible. Because when her and Valerie Jarrett would go out, you know, away from the White House and walk, you know, walk around, Michelle Obama is very statuesque. You can't miss her, miss her even if she has a baseball cap on. <laughs> People didn't pay attention to her. She is a marker for movement because she moved. She told us to move for our health. She told us, you know, when they go low, we go high. Sometimes we accept that. Sometimes we don't. But... And she also helped steer. She she focused in on our military. She focused in on so many things that others had not. She kept it real. Um, she is part of a movement of Black women who activate because they have to. And for all intents and purposes, because of her realness, because of her proximity to power and her understanding of people and situations, she could be. A politician if she wanted to. If she wanted to, she could be anything she wanted to be. Because she's she's worked for it. She's got a pedigree by putting her husband in that space, by standing next to him, by working with Valley. She is she's a movement all into herself. And yeah, she she is a symbol of black womanhood, strength and womanhood, standing beside and sometimes behind her husband, but she is the strength of black womanhood. How to get it done. Even as he has a shine, she's still shining on the other side, on her own, and making it happen. So yeah, she is one of those examples that has helped keep laying the groundwork for women, black women to be in these spaces because every success that we see of a black woman just lays the foundation for the next success. 
Wow. I'm speaking with April Ryan. A Black Woman Will Save the World, an anthem is the name of the book. An anthem. What do you mean when you when you make that statement, an anthem? If you're in the Black church, you know an anthem means over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. Over and over again. And believing it over and over again. Black women will save the world. Black women will save the world. Not only will we save the world, we have, we are, and we shall. When we, when we talk about the, something doesn't go away that's still in the, the news today is the January 6th uh, riot or insurrection, as they call it. Uh, how did that affect you when it happened and how, and watching it play out, what, what are your comments? Maxine Waters, people like Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who called it out, as you read in the book, mm-hmm. um, he called it out and they didn't listen to her. She asked questions. They didn't listen to her. And But Maxine Waters, before January 6th, and I did the interview, she said, don't you come here to Washington. She told me, don't come to Washington. Mm. Valerie told me, don't you go to Washington on January 6th. I chose not to. I was in my home, safe. Watching it on TV, losing my mind. I had my dog had done something to the carpet. Carpet cleaner was here, guy I've known for many years. And he was like, calm down. I said, no, do you not see what's happening? And he didn't understand why I was getting so hysterical. But once he really took time to look, I said, do you not see what they're doing? If one hair on any of those congressional leaders' head, if someone would have died, we may not be sitting here today speaking about how Black women will save the world and anthem. Just look what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband. These conspiracy theories, this angst about the fact that Joe Biden is president, all of these things that this ideology that Donald Trump has left with some of these people is still playing out. And these are scary times. These are very scary times. Well, you write in the, uh, like, like I say, you write in, the, you can be listed as a target, April, in these scary times. That's what my, I guess, I guess. Huh? I can. You said I can be. I am a target. Well, you know, I don't want to go there. I'm not going. I'm not going to be the person that comes out and say that on my show. But I, I will use the word "can" be listed as a target because you know where you stand. Because uh, and give us comment. How do you? How do you wake up? How do you get on a plane? How do you go to the grocery store? How do you go to a restaurant? Would you feel in that way, knowing that, after, especially what happened to, uh, you know, Congressman Pelosi's husband, your safety. My safety is paramount. Um, my children's safety is paramount. We've got precautions and we work towards um, safety. Um, my head is always on a swivel. But, you know, we are in some very different times, times that I've never imagined we'd be in. But I mean, I, you know, without going into everything, you know, you never say, oh, I'm safe. Right. But you always are, you are always watchful. And, you know, I've had, I've, like I said, I've had the FBI, the bomb squad and everything in my home, you know, and I detail it in the book. But we are in some crazy times. And, you know, people come, I condemn this. No, you need to call for the people to go to jail, for criminal charges to be placed against these people. This has got to stop. Well, I agree 100 percent. But, you know, as you approach your 26th year of uh, being at the White House, what are your most memorable moments? I mean, everybody has memorable moments. Everybody, I know in my life, when I look back, I've asked people questions and I go, Michelle, you shouldn't have said that. Or I ask them a question, I get a reaction. I went, wow, I didn't think they had to respond that way. But when you look at your career at the White House, what are, your, what are, what are some of the moments that you stand back and go, I thumped my chest? Some of the moments you go, oh, I wish I, I wish I'd have. Ask that a different way. Oh no, I'm, I don't regret anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of the some of the moments that stand out to me are not news necessarily. Those are the moments though, that one percent when after you work so hard, you finally get the chance to let your hair down. But when it comes to news, you know, asking questions about the black farmers and 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 their money and you know the first time round with Bill Clinton and then finally the, the black farmers getting their money during uh the Obama years asking questions about you know uh uh slavery asking questions about policing asking questions about Katrina it's always about 
the story, not about me. It's about information, asking questions for information to help people in their day, their life, what have you. And that's what it's about. And that when I hear people say, thank you for asking that, or I saw that story, it really helped me. That's when what I do really makes a difference. And it makes me feel like I'm in the career that I was chosen to be. Congratulations. As we close out this interview, I'm speaking with April Ryan, her book, Black Women Will Save the World and Anthem. What do you think is the biggest stereotype that black women face in general, April? We're not good enough. Um, uh, we're angry and we're, we're angry, the angry black women um, or angry black woman. Um, but I try to dispel that every day. You know, I want you to know I'm very concerned. It's not angry about anything. It's very concerned. So concerned, I move by asking questions of the highest office in the land to make a difference. Wow. As you, as you, like I told you, I have six sisters. I have a, my daughter, I have only one child, it's a daughter. She's uh, just graduated from college and she has a voice. So I will fall in that young black girls who want to save the world. You know, she's very eco concerned about the trees, about recycling and all this. How would you guide her? Oh, I got those two. I call them feminist tree hugger markers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something, April, she no joke to you, to her dad, okay? She looks at me like, okay, well, we switched the role here, okay? I'm your dad here. But she is so concerned about our future, which rightfully so. You know, I, I'm at the end of my future. She has to live her future out, so she should be concerned with the world. So what would you advice would you give? You have one. I'm, I got one. I got two. I got two. <laughs> One in <laughs> what, what do you say to your young your young voices that I can carry over to my young child? Because she's going to listen to this interview. I'll make sure she does. Because this book is fantastic. And I'm going to make sure, I, you know, she, she's in Houston. That's where she graduated from college. I'm based in Atlanta. So this book, I'll be taking on the plane with me so she can get it and read it. Right. What, what, what advice do you give them so I can share with her? Um, I tell them that, you know, just pace yourself because they're ready to slay the dragon right now. And I'm like, you got to you got to watch the dragon and then you got to figure out how to slay the dragon. And I said, I know you're concerned, but pace yourself because you don't want them burning out too quick and getting hurt by their passion. But I support them. And that's the thing. I may not always agree, but I know in their heart they feel it's right and it's legal. So I support them in, in their efforts. I mean, look, in COVID, they went out marching and I was like, no, you can't. And they were like, we going out in spite of it. And I was like, I have never worried about my children leaving the house until then because they wanted to, to stand for George Floyd. And I said, okay. I said, just put your mask on, stay away from people. This was before the vaccine. Right. I said, you know, all I can do is support them and marvel at the young women that they are and the women that they are aspiring to be. I'm just so proud of them. And I'm proud of your daughter for being that way too. Tree-hugging feminists who will march. <laughs> she, April, she no joke. She is no joke. I, I don't stop her. I advise her. I tell her, I, I tell my wife, I say, you know, I, you know I'm not going to tell her what she can't do. If she seeks my advice, I'm a, um, then I will have an opinion, but I will not jump out in front of her and tell her to stop. But I will advise her when it goes, what the world is. Look at the news. Look at the news. The news tells a lot. But look at all the news so you can hear both sides of the story. And April, over the years and watching you, you're courageous. Uh, I'm humbled to interview you because I've seen you face adversity in the public's eye. And you stood proud and you made me proud. And you made America proud. You made black America proud. And I want to tell you, um, I, this book is a very good read. Like you said, it is timely. And sometimes when you do it at the right time, it is time for everybody to read it. And I'm going to recommend everybody to read this book, Black Women's Will Save the World, an anthem by April Ryan. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Thank you. I, I enjoyed my masterclass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet, big timer. Bye-bye. Stay safe, okay? Uh <laughs> We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. 
You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. Recently, I spoke with two-time Emmy-nominated actor, producer, comedian, youth pastor, and author of Blessed Mode, Kel Mitchell. He addresses the importance of following a path of righteousness and always leading with love. Righteousness is just really being obedient to God and, and thinking uh, in a way he thinks, responding in love. And a lot AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. At times that's that's hard for people. I mean, you know, it was hard for me. You know, yes. it wasn't just easy all of a sudden. I just I just got it. You know what I mean? I used to respond like, hey, you do me wrong, I do you wrong. Right, okay, right. revenge, you know what right. I mean? But now <laughs> it's a thing of it's like, no, respond to love, because love kills all that all that craziness. You might be on one path and you'll go through something. That's the time where you need to learn from it. Listen to this full interview with Kel Mitchell. It's available on moneymakingconversations.com. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. My guest is Regina Bell. With an illustrious career spanning 35 years, chart-topping singer, songwriter, and Grammy Award-winning singer, Regina Bell is back, this time with a festive and beautifully soulful holiday album titled My Colorful Christmas. The 10-track album, which is on sale now from Bell's uh, record, record label, Tashi Entertainment, proves that no matter the genre, R&B, jazz, gospel, or even holiday music, everything she touches turns to gold. On today's show, we're going to talk about her new album, about My Colorful Christmas. The lead single, A Cradle in Bethlehem, one of her and my favorite holiday songs from the great Nat King Cole holiday classic. We will discuss her career spanning more than 35 years, family, faith, and marriage. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Regina Bell. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. You know, I, I you know, we got a lot to talk about, but when I mentioned my favorite, A Cradle in Bethlehem, the the, the lead single on your album, My Colorful Christmas, you you hugged yourself. Why did you do that, Regina? That's <laughs> <laughs> just the greatest song. And I, I I've loved it since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody loves chestnuts. Chestnuts roasting on an open yes, fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. But but my favorite song has always been A Cradle in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, most people don't even know that song. So when you when you embraced it and told me that it was your favorite as well. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, we're kindred spirits already. Uh, you, know, you know, I got the classic down, Pat, you know, Donna Hathaway. <laughs> I, I love them. I love them. But this song so here, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a tribute to his brilliance. I'm talking about Matt King Cole as a singer, as a person who he took the simple and made it special and made it emotional. And that's what a cradle in Bethlehem. And I was excited because sometimes you need to redo songs 
to reintroduce him into a, another era of people. And this is an era I think needs a song like A Cradle in Bethlehem. And for it to come out on your Christmas album is, I think, is amazing and fantastic. And congratulations, Regina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I I have loved this song for so many years. So, you know, obviously when I got ready to put my own flavor to it, I wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything that was going to insult, you know, the genre. But I also wanted to say, well, I want to put a little Regina on it. Thank so, you. Uh, you know, I had to uh, put a little jazz in there. It's a little R&B. It's some gospel. I mean, you can hear all of the flavor, all of the genres, uh, you know, uh, that that are that I embrace. Right. That you hear me sing all the time whenever I sing a song. So um, I was really, really pleased with the outcome. Yeah. Here's the thing, the interesting thing about you, because, you know, I, I, I have been a part of your 35 year career. Okay, and um, and and blessed to hear your greatness and and see your beauty, your natural beauty in music videos, on live television, on television, uh, in the live Thank concerts. You. you know that you're you're statuesque. You project, you know, uh, you. In, a, in a very profound manner. And you said, <laughs> I got to put a little. Regina on it, you know. What is a little <laughs> Regina on it, Regina Bell? What we is that? Regina rising. We got a Regina rising, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and because, because that's because when you're Regina rising, it it really makes it unique. And the reason I say that is that I've I've seen her promotions where on the show Tamla Man and Regina Bell. You know, that's another show. Did I hear <laughs> on the show the OJs and Regina Bell? I be going like, huh? How yes. are you doing this? Yes. You know, on the yes. show, you know, on the show, you know, Terry Lynn Carrington and Regina Bell. You know, these are just unique genres that you are falling into and and, and, and excelling in. So how is that possible, Regina Bell? I have to say it's the almighty. It's, it has nothing to do with me. Um, I, 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 I give God all the credit. Um, I, I do thank God for the opportunity and I have embraced every opportunity. I put in the hard work, you know, it's <laughs> hard work as you well know, Rashawn, you can't just pop up one day and say, I want to do this. Right. And I, you know, put your mind, your heart, your soul and your gift into what it is that you're doing. Um, and that's what I did. I, 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 I was born with the gift to sing. Right. But I wanted to polish the gift. You know, mm -hmm. you can get a diamond, you can get a nine carat diamond, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be full of flaws. It can have all kinds of carbons in it. But when it's cut away, when you cut away all of the impurities and, and make that diamond shine the way it should and the light passes through it, you know, the, the four carat diamond is actually more expensive than the nine carat because of the brilliance of it, because right. it is... Uh, it, it, because of its perfection. And so I was born with the gift, mm -hmm. but I couldn't stop there. I had to put in some work. So I studied music. I play instruments coming up, um, ranging from trombone, baritone, tuba, uh, and, and steel drums. Mm -hmm. And I took um, vocal lessons with Inga Wolf at the Manhattan School of Music um, for Preparatory College in New York. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to Rutgers University and I studied piano with Kenny Barron, mm -hmm. so um, famous jazz pianist. And so I have um, I've run the gamut and I've been able to, you know, uh, rub shoulders with some greats like George Duke, being able to be in the studio with the late, great George Duke um, for my Lazy Afternoon CD. I've been in the studio with Pastor Shirley Caesar, which is, you know, the reason why I'm singing. You know, I, I patterned my whole singing style when I first started singing after her and Donny Hathaway and Billie Holiday. So, you know, bringing all of that together, um, I found Regina Bell. And I it's been my mantra that even at my worst, I'm still number one, being myself. At best, trying to be somebody else, I can only be at best number two. So I try to maintain my sound in all that I do, even if I do jazz, even if I do R&B, even if, if I do gospel, I always have to be quintessential Regina Bell. And I, that's worked for me all through the years. 
You know, my life is really interesting, Regina, because, you know, I, you know, some people say, you know, they look at who I am and they put me in a certain category of success. But I've just been a regular dude all my life. You know what I'm saying? And so I've looked, but I've looked at you, you know, you know, and to be able to have an interview, you interview you at this level about your career and look at where my career is all about a journey. And I always tell people that I look at when I was 20 and then I didn't really see 40. When I looked at 30, I didn't really see 50 because it's about okay. a career, you know, because, you know, you, you, you know, even now you go, am I going to make it to 70 and 80 career wise? Because you know what it took to get to this point. Right. How do you put that in perspective? Because, you know, you just rattle off the early years, you know, when you were just out there just being Regina. You know, I always tell right. people between the ages of 18 and 24, you just being you. It's after yes. 24 that decisions can be made for you or you can make decisions that can take you off your path. And that's Correct. when that career conversation comes into play. And then the next thing you look up 35 years later, we're talking now about your career. But we're also talking about your future because we got a beautiful holiday album next time and I call My Colorful Christmas. How do you talk about your career perspective when you talk about, you know, before 24 and then after 24? Well, it, it's interesting you say that because even though I was just kind of being Regina, the I still made very important decisions, um, mm -hmm. especially as it pertains to my image. Mm -hmm. um, it was very important to me to maintain a certain image, and it's not to knock anybody else, but you know, I um, I sat at the feet of Nancy Wilson and Frida Payne, and I, I got, I, I gleaned knowledge from them. And one of the things that Nancy told me is that, you know, everybody can't take their clothes off. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, at the end of the day, she said, I want you to get your accolades for your gift. Right. I want you to get your accolades for what you have inside and the prize that God has given you. And, and base it, base it on that. It's not, it's not to say that you can't have gimmicks and things in your show. But at the end of the day, let the people go home with a piece of you. Right. And you will, your career will span the mm -hmm. years. And so I've tried to make decisions throughout my life, even as a 25 year old, even as a 35 year old, even as a 45 year old, I, I tried to make decisions that always appeal to who I am and where I want to be. So it wasn't just about, I, I, I don't think I've ever just thought about where I am. I've always kind of thought about where am I going? Mm -hmm. where, where do I, where, where do I want to end up? Where do I, where do I want to be? You know, um, uh, if I do this, how will that translate years down the road? Will that be a classic or will that end up being fad music? You know, right. um, and so making those kinds of decisions in terms of image, in terms of, you know, showing up for a picture here um, versus being at my daughter's graduation. Right. Um, I, I made those decisions to say, mm, I know that's an important place to be and right. that it may add to my career. But guess what? I get one chance to be at my daughter's graduation. I'm going to the graduation. Right. Uh, take a chance on it. If it comes around, it, it, great. If it doesn't, fine. And I've made those important decisions and I'm I'm happy with my life. I wouldn't trade my life for anybody. Your brand. That's what we talk about, your brand. That's what Nancy was in Free to Pain with the boys. Uh, I can see it right now on Soul Train singing, you know, bring the boys home, Free to Pain. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, you know, because that's, see, that's, a, that's a brand because see, I don't know what she did off in her personal life. I don't know who she dated. I don't know, you know, did she, did she party? And then, but some great artists you know, their off screen is sometimes dominate their talents that they produce to us on screen. And that's what we're Correct. talking about, your brand. We're talking about, you know, what, what do you want to be remembered for? I, I'm just only remembering you from your great music. I'm remembering you from a, a stage. When you when I when you performed for me, when I left that venue, I took your music with me. I took your elegance with me. I took your your presentation with me. That's all I remember. And that's what you want as an artist. You don't yeah. want your you don't want what you do off stage, who you're dating, who you're shaking, and sometimes who you're getting drunk, you're getting pulled over to undermine but your gifts. And that's yes. what you, that's what Nancy Wilson was saying to you. That's what Freedom Payne was telling you. Don't let, don't undermine your gifts that God gave you by being immature. Yes. 
Yes, that's exactly what they were telling me. And they were telling me that you're this is what you're selling. You're selling music. You're right. selling gifts. You're selling a story. Right. You you want people to buy into your story when every every time somebody comes to your concert, they're coming into your living room. Right. What do you want to have prepared for them at your home? Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to, you know, what is your presentation? What do you want to display? Right. And and those things were the things that I thought about that I still continue to think about uh, as I go from stage to stage, from city to city, from state to state, country to country. Right. These are the things that I think about. Um, I, um, I, I got a chance to expand a little bit. Uh, last year, um, being in Kirk Franklin's um, Christmas um, movie, and that was amazing. Yes, I that's my boy. No mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so you know, you know, different things are opening up for me to be able to do um, as a result of you know this gift making room for me and opening up other doors for me. So I'm excited about it. I'm uh, uh, I'm looking forward to what the future holds. Uh, this Christmas record is just a little piece of me. It, it, it's my favorite time of year. Right. Uh, not necessarily for the commercialism of it, but because it's a time when a lot of us as family come together. You know, we get a chance to sit down. We get a break from the crazy. Um, people are a little bit nicer. Um, we exchange gifts. We get to show each other how much we love one another. And so it's, it's, um, it's my favorite time of year. It always has been. And so this music, being able to do this at this time, uh, I can't even tell you, Shana, how it warms my heart. Um, my brother who passed away in Mm -hmm. June Mm -hmm. was a big part of this. And um, this is a piece of him that I get to carry with me for the rest of my life. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Well, I want to just uh, commend you. Uh, your articulation, it was, it was moving and impacted me. And I want to just tell you some, Regina, uh, this show has been a, a sometimes a, a blessing for me. I, I get to interview individuals like you, and um, and I get to share with the public a story that they might not have heard. All they all they know is just the artist, the artist, and Absolutely. you know they don't know about the family, don't know about the long term marriage, you know, or they, they hear things like, "Where Regina been? You know, Regina been raising five kids. Regina <laughs> been a, been, a, been a wife." Regina live in the Atlanta area. She's been living. She's been living a a successful life. And guess what? For 35 years, she's been still having a career. And I remember remember once, um, you know, Steve Harvey, who I was managing at the time, we did this contract uh, with Radio One, and he was doing Mm -hmm. Morning Drive in L.A. And we did that contract because of the fact that we got a check every week. Yeah. So that allowed us to do what we wanted to do. We didn't have to jump out there and do every movie that was offered to us. We didn't have to mm-hmm. jump out there and take every concert check. But people started saying, well, what, what happened to Steve Harvey? You know, Cedric out there, Bernie Mac out there, DL out there. Now, Steve, we, we were clocking checks and planning our career. And planning. So that's all mm-hmm. I'm just telling her. She, she found a great man. Okay. She started having beautiful kids. She started controlling her destiny. Once you start controlling your destiny, you can pick and choose. Yeah. When yeah, you want to do what you want to so do. Important. Am I right, that's Regina? So important. You are, you are, you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I can't tell you. Um, I married my husband uh, 31 years ago, mm-hmm. um, John Sydney Battle, um, former Hawks and Cavaliers uh, basketball player. Mm-hmm. And we, met, we actually met each other at Rutgers University where mm-hmm. we were both going to school. And um, he was my best friend for, you know, years before we got married. Mm-hmm. So we were best friends for nine years before we got before we went on a date. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, and look, that says something. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, somebody who's listening to this show right listen him being my friend mm-hmm. is it, it speaks miles because when i tell people that 
we've never ever gotten to an argument where we cussed each other out. Mm -hmm. Some folk look and say, what y'all ain't? No, Mm -hmm. no, Mm -hmm. because he started out as my best friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And so even when we're in the midst of a disagreement, we have to respectfully disagree. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that I think that friendship speaks volumes into our marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, It helped us to raise our children. Right. Um, uh, They they are we have a foundation that goes beyond our careers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important because we don't get caught up in the hype. We 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 know who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, Folks say, oh, my gosh, Regina Bell. And I say, we just folks. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I mean that from my whole heart. Right. We're just folks. Right. Um, my mother has always told me, and it's something that I carry with me every day of my life. She says that your reputation walks in the door before you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are pearls of wisdom that I hold on to, and they help. They help my buoyancy. They help keep me my head above water. They they keep me afloat because it never allows me to get caught up in the moment so much so that I forget who I am. Right. Um, Raising my family was important because at the end of the day, when something doesn't go right, that's who I run to. I can't run to the one who I signed the autograph for. Right. I can't run to the Grammy because the Grammy's not going to talk to me. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. celebrity is not going to do much for me when I'm going through what I'm going through. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's my family that embraces me and that knows me for who I am and is not expecting Regina Bell, the stage person, but basically embracing Gina, the mm-hmm. family member, you know, so that that means when you talked about that, you know, being able to be home, raise your family, uh, that that speaks volumes, because, again, that's the thing that keeps me level and keeps me keeps my head right. Let's get back to the album and uh, in regards to 10 songs holiday, because I'm telling you, something, you know, I got my favorites. And then, like I said, when this album came across my desk. A Cradle in Bethlehem, I went, you got to be kidding me. Yes! You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Nat King Cole, because you know you always go, what, yes, what? it's only one favorite. Cradle in Bethlehem, you know right. what I'm saying? And and what other what other classics, or did you do any original songs, Christmas songs, on the, on the 10 records that you're dropping on this particular album? No, I honestly didn't. I, there's one original song on there, but it's not necessarily a Christmas song. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Okay, let's talk. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to do the 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 familiar Christmas songs, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to involve my family. So my my son is playing drums on a couple of the tunes. Okay. Um, my, my nephew's playing um, drums, uh, Jamel Bell, my son Jalen uh, Battle, and then my two daughters, Sydney and Nyla. Um, Sydney's singing um, A Baby Changes Everything, mm-hmm. and Nyla's singing The First Noel. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to make it a family affair because of, that's why I call it My Colorful Christmas, because there's so many colors of what I love. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, the the music is colorful because, like I said, we incorporated the the jazz, the gospel, the um, the the, the everything, all that I love. Um, and then I incorporated members of my family, but then they come in with a whole different other flavor. So Nyla sings differently than Sydney sings. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamel plays drums differently than than Jalen plays drums. So, right. Mm-hmm. So then we got a little. You know, a little calypso soca uh, on all little town of Bethlehem. Um, so, so you know, we call it my colorful Christmas because we added some colors of music. We added um, colors of uh, styles. We added, I, I added different members of a family. Um, uh, and the one song that I wanted to talk to you about is the last song. It's called a song from Bernie. And that is my brother. For those of you that don't know, mm-hmm. uh, Bernard Bell has produced millions of records mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that have gone above, uh, above and beyond um, from Michael Jackson's Remember the Time to mm-hmm. Whitney and Bobby. Mm-hmm. We have something in common along mm-hmm. with Teddy Riley, mm-hmm. um, uh, myself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Patti LaBelle, mm-hmm. Boy George, mm-hmm. Case. Jaheem, I mean, the list goes on. The mm-hmm. Winants, he, my brother was truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song is the last song that he and I did together. And I'm wow. trying not to get 
you know, teary out about it. Mm -hmm. But it's the last song that he and I did together. And it's a song that basically speaks um, from those that have gone on from. And mostly I, I really wanted to do it because of COVID. COVID had us to realize some things that we had taken for granted, like being able to have a homegoing service and, and realizing what it meant to us to mm -hmm. have people come in from other cities, other mm -hmm. states mm -hmm. to hug us and tell us how much they love us and how much they love your loved one. Right. Um, not being able to do that during COVID, it was traumatic. Right. Not being able to touch our loved ones who were sick and in the hospital. And sometimes we they passed on and we never got a chance to kind of bring closure to anything until they were gone. Um, this song simply says, for all of you, uh, uh, I've been a caregiver for many years. Um, I was an ambassador for AARP for many years. Um, and I, at the same time of having a career with Shine, with my mom, I was caring for my mom, my dad, and my brother. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, my husband and I pastoring two churches. I was on the road and in <laughs> seminary. So you better holler at your girl. Okay. <laughs> so a lot going on with five kids and four grandkids. Awesome. So, yeah. Oh. So it was a lot going on. So this song simply says, um, it says I had to leave. And it's basically saying that there's nothing more you could do. I know as caregivers, we always feel like, was there, you know, maybe I could have scheduled one more doctor's appointment and would have changed things. Maybe I could have had one more visit or something. Um, but, you know, the song says I had to leave, meaning that my assignment here was up. Mm -hmm. It was my time. Mm -hmm. It was nothing else that you could do for me. Thank you for everything you did. Um, I love you, but I had to leave. And so the song's a little sad, but it's something that helps us to embrace um, the, the feeling of loss with our loved ones that have uh, passed on. Wow. I'm talking to Regina Bell. You know, illustrious career spanned more than 35 years, chart-topping singer, songwriter, mm -hmm. Grammy Award winner. She's back. Well, should I say that word? I think that's an insult to say she's back. She actually has another project that she's delivering to the Thank forefront you. of the entertainment <laughs> business. It's from her record label, Tashi Entertainment. It's called A Colorful Christmas. And, the, and, the, and it's a holiday album that's going to, I think I, I would say it's a game changer for me because of the fact that it's allowing me to hear music that sometimes, you know, because, you know, they only play popular songs on the radio. There's a few of them, like 10 of them, they just play over and over and over. And then right, you have to go right, sometimes right. to like Sirius XM and then go, that's my song. Well, this song right. here, A Cradle in Bethlehem, is on my, is on my, uh, you know, my, my playlist. So even uh, when it's not Christmas, I listen to this song. And so yes, to hear yeah. it on your album is a blessing. To have this honest conversation, Regina, I hope it, it resonated with me. It was powerful. It allowed me to speak to somebody that I've always seen from afar and the journey that you've taken. And you have made Nancy Wilson proud, my friend. Okay. <gasps> you have followed her words and, and her uh, understanding that it's about your brand. And when you walk off that stage, let what walked off is what we heard, what we experienced in that venue. When you go on that pulpit at those two churches, let people understand that the message you're giving is what you want to resonate in their hearts and uplift them in their community. You are a blessing, Regina Bell. And the fact that you come out with a My Colorful Christmas album led by the first single, A Cradle in Bethlehem. Tell everybody before we go, where can we find this song and how about your social media too? Oh, you can go to my website, uh, IamReginaBell.com, um, and I, you know, and you can purchase it there. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all the social media mm -hmm. platforms. Um, you can find me, or, or you can go to um, uh, Apple Music, mm -hmm. uh, iTunes, anywhere, pretty much, and Spotify, and and pick it up. You can stream it. Just play it. Just get it. Just play it. Because I'm telling you, it's going to bless you. I um listen, being the boss, it costs. Uh, right. Rashana, mm -hmm. thank you for pointing that out. It's on my own record label, Tashi Three Entertainment. Uh -huh. Um, but uh uh it, it was definitely uh, a challenge, but it was also uh, a labor of love. So I'm really excited about this because it's my first full project mm -hmm. on my own record label. So 
You know, you can still do it. E, don't let the gray hair fool you. Mom no, still got some. No, girl. It's life. <laughs> life ain't fooling us. 35 years in this business, and we know we got another 35 years to keep changing the business. You are an oh, uplift. You are a blessing. Tashi 3 Entertainment, that's our record label. The single is A Cradle in Bethlehem. The name of the Christmas album is My Colorful Christmas. Thank you, for Regina, for coming on my show. Money Making Conversation Thank Masterclass. Thank you for having me. I hope I'll be back. Oh, you will. Yeah, I, I, we're going to go off air and talk about that rescheduler, okay? But Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations Masterclass. You've been listening to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Always remember to lead with your gifts. Money Making Conversations Masterclass is a presentation of 3815 Media Incorporated. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money Making Conversation Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week I sat down with comedian, actress, host, producer, and author Kim Whitley. She explains why it is important to make sure you feel good inside and out. I, I'm a, firm, a really, really firm believer in how you feel on the inside will come out on the outside. A lot of water is what they really make you drink. Yes. Um, you stay hydrated, your skin's going to look good. Being happy on the inside, mm-hmm. um, I think it comes out because people are always like, you're always so happy. I really try to maintain that um, because I like to be an inspiration to so many people. And when I look good and feel good, then I'm even happier. You right. know, it's it's an up and down thing. You, you know, even if I lost 30 pounds, you know, I might have gained some back uh, right now. Now, it, it's just I get back on the journey. I mean, I never stop. Listen to this full interview with Kim Whitley. It's available on MoneyMakingConversation.com. 